Welcome to the Jay Kim Show. This is your host, Jay Kim. I am an investor, author, and fitness entrepreneur. And for the first time in Asia, I sit down with the world's most brilliant minds in business, investing, and entrepreneurship. You'll learn all the secrets, strategies, and formulas to becoming a successful entrepreneur directly from the masters. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insight to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. Today's guest is a very close friend of mine, and he's not your typical entrepreneur. His name is Daryl O. Young. Daryl is a professional race car driver and the director of Craft Bamboo Racing. He has over 28 years of experience in motorsport. He is a three-time Macau Grand Prix winner, a two-time Porsche Carrera Cup Asia champion, and most recently the 2015 GT Asia Series champion. But his most famous accomplishment is probably the podium finish that he earned in 2013 at the 24 Hour of Le Mans. This is the most prestigious and historic endurance race in the world. Daryl's acquired millions of dollars in sponsorships, and today he gives us a peek into his early life, the influence that his father had on him, and just how he deals with being in the public spotlight all the time. So let's get right into the show. Daryl, thanks for coming in and being a guest on the podcast. Pretty excited to have you here. So let's just begin with your sort of background and your your it's it's quite unusual for I guess being in Asia to have a professional athlete, uh, because that sort of thing has to be encouraged by one's parents and whatnot growing up. Myself as a child, I was basically my my dad wanted me to be a doctor and uh, I basically resisted and I still ended up being in finance. So tell me about your beginnings and how did you get into racing? Yeah, I started racing really young. Um, like you said, um, my parents uh, did support us a lot in sports. So I grew up doing a lot of different sports, but uh, racing was one of the things that my dad liked to do himself. I actually started when he was young, probably. The passion started back in Hong Kong when he was ra- used to race in the streets. And actually <laughs> back then it was kind of a normal thing in Hong Kong to do some street racing. It was not actually that forbidden <laughs> in the past uh, but I'd say obviously now with safety coming a lot more it's, it's, it's something that people don't do but that's where he sparked his interest and he passed that along to me so when I grew up uh, even when I was after I was born my dad was already racing cars but he did oh, it wow. as a semi-professional as a hobby so it was not really a full-time thing for him he was very serious about it and he won a lot of championships in Canada oh really wow yeah back then so uh, something he did a lot and then when I became eight years old, I actually started off four or five years old. I used to watch him race and I kind of really loved cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then when I turned eight, he got me a go-kart. And that was really a big turning point because I really just really fell in love with racing. And it just did a lot, did a lot from there forward. So was it one of these things where you basically, he kind of encouraged you and just by being around him and he was your role model, obviously. And so you kind of fell in love with it at the same time. Yes, yeah, sport is something that has to evolve. That's why it's really good to give kids exposure to sport because they'll find out what they want to do, what they love. My dad never forced me. He wasn't one of those sporting dads that kind of right. <laughs> forced me to, to, you know, perform well and forced me to do, you know, to, to compete. Uh, you know, he was really just introduced me to it and, gave me the chance to race and then I really just just took it from there and went, and uh, he gave me all the support I needed. Right. So was there a point in your 
childhood that you remember that you were like, okay, this is what I want to do as a career? Or was it kind of like a, a hobby and you were kind of exploring other things, but then it, you naturally gravitated just because of your dad's background and whatnot? Um, actually, there was a very big turning point. Uh, it, was a, it was at 12 years old. Um, okay. I do remember this because uh, we were just racing locally in Vancouver and around Canada. And then my, my dad actually asked me if I wanted to take it more serious. And that was kind of a big turning point at 12 years old. He uh, goes, if you really want to, to, you know, you're doing really well, but if you want to take this to the next level, we have to... Right. You know, invest time and money into mm-hmm. traveling more to the U.S. and competing. So I, I definitely said I'd, I wanted to do it, of course. <laughs> right. But of course, he he really wanted to make sure I was serious. Like I had to study well in school. Like I'd actually dedicate myself to doing it well and doing it with him. So he actually retired from racing at twelve. When I was twelve, right. He stopped racing. Okay. Because racing is a pretty expensive sport. It's yeah, exactly. You just do like with basketball or something, you know. Right. Like, you have to buy a go kart. It takes a little bit of investment. Sure. Karting is still the cheapest form of motorsport. But it still took some money. So um, he stopped racing, sold his race car, and actually wow. put his time and money into uh, into me. So it took a lot of time because we did a lot of races. I think at the peak of my racing, when I was about 15 or so, I was probably doing like 20 races a year. So that's quite a bit. That's 20 weekends out of the year, which is quite a lot. As well. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> and so was there sort of an agreement that your dad, between you and your dad, that was like, okay, you still need to do well in school and, and this and that? I'm not uh, sure if that was an agreement or <laughs> that was what my mom had told me. Oh, right. On my mom's side, you know, my dad probably would have slacked on that bond. Right. Was uh, pretty obviously strict on me doing well in school. And I, it was, it's all, it's all, you know, at the end, you can't count on sport to be your, I think everybody needs to focus on education. And yep. Sport will have to come as a secondary thing. And, right. And anybody that doesn't do that, I, I believe is, is being a bit naive <laughs> because in life, there's a lot more than just, you know, even a sporting career only lasts so long. You need to think a lot about the future. Right. You need to prepare. You're not going to go back, finish high school, finish university. Yeah, no, sporting I agree. Well. I think it's quite interesting, though, because given our backgrounds, being Asian and whatnot, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, my parents always hammered in the fact that you have to have education, education, education. But I think that education is changing now in regards to you know, how you can learn. I think um, because of the internet and what has happened in probably the last 10, 15 years, like a lot of the information that was not available to people that you could only learn in school in the classroom setting, you can now get for free off the internet, right? So I think the what the schooling and education system will look like in probably 10, 15 years will be vastly different than sort of what we went through. But uh, you do have a point. I mean, I think a lot of uh, younger kids have that naivete where they think that, oh, you know, I'm going to be Michael Jordan or or whatever. And and it's great to have dreams and chase dreams, but there's also a fine line. So I, and that kind of brings me to the my next question to you is sort of having done this and having made a successful career out of it. Was there ever a point where you question it at any step of the way? You know, was it kind of like at some points, you know, maybe I'm not doing as well. Maybe I should toss in the towel and, and pursue something else. You know, because I think that as an entrepreneur, the, the greatest fear is failure, right? And that sort of fear never, ever goes away. I mean, you, I mean even if you're quite successful, if the next venture that you're working on, you're going to, you know, fear that it might not work out. So how did you, how, how was that experience for you? I mean, your whole life, yeah, basically. I was, I was gonna ask you which of the hundred times that <laughs> did, uh, <laughs> no, obviously uh, it's a very big challenge. Anytime you do, it's it's like you do anything. Anytime you try and achieve something that is outside your comfort zone, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's gonna feel risky. It's gonna feel um, uh, challenging. I think the biggest 
moment up for that was probably uh, after high school. Because it's kind of, well, I, I went to, on to study uh, marketing anyhow. Because actually, mm-hmm. my, my dad quite, re- like you said before, reinforced education. So, which is, I think, part of the package. You need, as an athlete or anybody, you need a package. You need to be more than just a, right. a player. So, right. the ones that are actually educated are able to think about marketing, think about promotion, understand work with businesses or start businesses. So, those are actually the ones that are the most successful. Sure. Because you, you need to know how to market yourself throughout your career. But with that being said, putting it all together to to make it happen, I actually started start studying marketing when I was 15 or 16. So mm. I really wanted to understand. Actually, my, my dad actually put, put me onto that quite early, saying that um, if you want to keep racing as a professional career, you're going to have to be able to find sponsors because I'm not going to be able to pay for your racing. Right. <laughs> so I was like, that's a pretty good Okay. Point. Yeah, it, made, it kind of made me think about that. Yeah. Uh, so 15, 16, I took my first marketing course. Even after 18, um, I, I took some sports marketing courses mm-hmm. and I really wanted to understand more. So I went on to get my education in marketing. But I did think about that a lot when I got, got to my early, I would say early 20s. I was thinking a lot about, you know, it, I tried to get into cars, obviously. I was racing formula cars. The step from go-karts to formula cars is quite a big one because the car is a lot more costs. So right. you need a lot more sponsors behind you. So right. I, I was able to find, uh, you know, my dad actually put a lot of resource himself and time and we had a lot of friends helping mm-hmm. to get me into my first race car because we right. couldn't really afford it. Wow. <laughs> so okay. we ended up working long nights and getting everybody together to work on work on this project, kind of build Daryl's formula cars. So yeah. Like people coming help all the time. <laughs> and then, uh, so... It's like Kickstarter, like before of, Kickstarter. Yeah. Someone yeah. donated a race car, like an old race, it was a piece of junk, but it was an old race car. Wow. People were fixing it up. So I did awesome. end up three races that year and I was able to, to finish second in this really big race in the US. And um, I was able to land a sponsor. But even then, uh, the sponsors, were, it was very tough. It was like, you're not getting any pay. It was kind of like they gave me a job to work on a race team and I was able to uh, have a place to live, have some food to eat and be able to race. Oh, wow. And so I had no pay. It was like, just like basic necessities right. and go racing. So right. Back then, of course, early 20s, I was like, okay, I'll take it. Yeah, right? sure, so sure. I did, I did that for a couple of years and it was... Um, this was back in Canada? This is actually in the US. I was living in, in, oh. in California. Oh, okay. Okay, wow. California and I, I went to work with a team. So it was a challenging part of mm. my career because it's tough to think about, oh, where is this going to take my future? Because no, exactly. I'm making it... I'm barely making ends meet, you know. Right. I'm I'm doing okay on the racetrack. I think I finished. Um, I won some races. I finished the third and second and third in the championship somewhere there. But so it was it was like a true like almost like an apprenticeship where it's like you get you pay you get paid zero and you get to work with a team. But yeah, hopefully exactly. you're like betting that this will pay off at some yeah. point, right? So that's what I was doing because you need to get experience. I remember me and my teammate. We used to drive the truck as well, so we like towed our race cars across the country, and then we wow. we had the race against. <laughs> There's other drivers that just show up and got to race, and we had, we did we gr- we did the grind, you know. And right. I wouldn't trade that experience because it was fun. Yeah. But I remember after two years of doing that, I did two years um, kind of building that experience. It was kind of the point where I considered quitting racing. I was like, "There's no, I have to think about my future, you know. Yeah. I think about like sure. what I'm gonna do. I can't just keep living this racing dream, even right. though, you know, like I've I've it's it's been part of my life since I was eight. So at that point, it's been twelve years of my life." competing every yeah. year but obviously you need to think about reality so it's kind of that balance came in and I remember my sisters encouraged me a lot to continue my career like to really focus on not giving up your dreams and working hard at it and uh, there's going to be opportunities that come and so I, I kind of stuck with it and uh, that kind of actually led to some further opportunities down the road right? and brought me back to Asia which is actually 
it all happened kind of coincidentally because <laughs> I made my little marketing documents when I went. <laughs> I actually got an opportunity to do one race in China in about 2001. So during wow. during those really two years early, I was yeah. in California, I did yeah. one race over in okay. China. Um, I had an uncle that liked cars a bit, and he brought me out here to help me line up a sponsor. And just as an aside, like Asian race car drivers, that was that. I mean, it still is quite rare, right? Yeah, especially in the U.S. and Canada, it was it's not something I don't think it was really attractive to sponsors it wasn't necessarily marketable or, or it was just kind of didn't really have much substance right to it. so when i came back to asia to hong kong and uh, to race do the race in china it kind of opened my eyes that there is because that was my first time leaving north america actually and when i was 21 and it's my first time leaving north america so kind of like eye-opener to seeing like asia right. and seeing all this stuff and i thought oh there's so much opportunity out here racing is still quite in its infancy so i decided yeah. to to see, look for opportunities out here. So when I did the race out here, I made these marketing documents. Um, my dad kind of helped me talk to him, <laughs> told me what I should do. Cause I already did my marketing courses. So I knew exactly. Cause I made these like, I remember paper documents. Like, yeah. Like, and I just went around literally everywhere, like hand them out. I had some friends help me print these back in Vancouver. And that's amazing. Back of them. And I passed them everywhere. I went back to uh, California, continued my racing. But then like two years later, I think it was in 2003, end of 2003, um, yeah, somebody had received that uh, from uh, Porsche Hong Kong, and they the marketing it. document. Yeah, and they got it actually the worked. <laughs> got Amazing. Onto the desk of the GM, <laughs> and uh, they called me and offered me a trial, like a test. Wow. Here and try it, and then I did the first Porsche Cup test, and uh, it was went really well, and I got my first contract as a professional. That's driver, unbelievable. So. I've never heard this story before. Actually, <laughs> moved out to Asia, and uh, that's how it all started my career. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, it's like so many, I think a lot of the younger entrepreneurs now, the one thing that they don't have is, is patience, right? And, and as an entrepreneur, uh, I know that that's one of the most important things because, you know, entrepreneurs, are, they're very impatient. They want to get, you know, whatever, whatever the metrics of success that they, they, they think it is, money, fame, uh, you know, the next gig or whatever it is. But so many people are impatient and it's, it's, it's a grind, you know? I mean, being an entrepreneur is not easy. You have to literally stick at it. And there's so many times, like you said, the hundred times that you thought you were gonna have to, you're gonna quit. And what am I doing with my life, my future, you know, this, that, and the other. But I think you just have to, you, you know, fortunately for you, your family was very supportive. And that's one thing that I think, you know, you have to find that support network and people that believe in you to back you. You know, I think, if I was in your shoes, my parents would have been like, give it up, go, go get a real job, right? So I think that that obviously was one of the, the keys to your success. And I think it's just, it's difficult, you know, and especially given the niche that you were in, given the fact that you're Asian and, and everything, I think, you know, is really, you overcame a lot of challenges, you know, to, to get your first gig here in Asia. And so tell me, like, after that first gig that you got signed, you moved to Asia full-time, basically, at that point? Yeah, at that point, I was really committed to trying to build up myself in this market. And I think it really helped with uh, aligning with Porsche because they really gave me that opportunity. Uh, yeah, it takes some breaks. It definitely does. It, yeah. You can't do it on your own. Yep. Needs, you need some things to align sometimes. And this one really, this, this opportunity really did because Robbie Nierman, who was the GM uh, at Porsche Hong Kong at the time, was really, really had a vision to develop young talent. And he really wanted to to help me get better, which right. is exactly, you know, he didn't want to just have a marketing story. He wanted to have some substance to that, which was giving me the opportunity to learn and develop. But he sent me to uh, Australia um, and New Zealand for um, winter series to develop and also gave me the chance to race uh, for two years. And 
uh, it really helped me launch my career in terms of uh, I had my first Macau win with them with Porsche right. Kong. and actually I drove for them for six years on wow. uh, but during that time also I, I kind of kept looking for further opportunities mm -hmm. I was able to start racing over in Europe uh, I had some sponsors that really supported me there so things really went well in my 20s all, all the way through it was uh, a lot of great opportunities a lot of good sponsors a lot of people that really believed in me and it helped me to achieve success on the racetrack uh, right. winning, winning several major races uh, endurance races I was able to compete at some you know races that if you look back to when I was younger in the, in the US I would have thought I never even would have imagined racing there like I think right. going to be a spectator at Le Mans I would have been like right. really happy you know yeah. but uh, to able to compete at the 24 hours of Le Mans and I was that's unbelievable yeah. on the podium it was kind of a uh, dream come true we were only 30 seconds from the win so it's still one of those <laughs> disappointments but yeah we're really close to the win but uh, Le Mans was kind of the it's the mecca for yeah racing. sure really, sure uh, really wanted to uh, compete there and I was able to so it's just things that are unimaginable really happened and yeah it's a big yeah it's big it's just really a lot of things came together for me that's awesome yeah I mean you I, I can't even imagine you know the feeling that you must have had having the podium finish at Le Mans but then being so close to actually winning the whole thing right so it must yeah. have been bittersweet. I mean, it's like, obviously, like, <laughs> exactly. you never imagined this as a kid that you'd be standing there. But then at the same time, you're like, 30 seconds, you know? Obviously, you're, you've had a quite a successful career. I think a lot of people kind of recognize you for your humility. You know, I, I've heard this from several people when, where they say, you know, Daryl's like, he's such a down-to-earth guy, you know? Like, I mean, I've met him several times, and he just seems like a good dude, you know? And how do you... How do you go from, you know, being a successful public figure, professional race car driver, athlete, you obviously have a big fan base. And how do you go from that to just every day being as, as grounded and, and humble as you are? I think a lot actually has to do with my dad. He did teach me a lot. Like my dad was a, himself was a really, people always kind of saw him as the guru. They would call him the guru <laughs> and, uh, or Yoda and <laughs> all these funny things. But, you know, he had a very good faith in Christianity and right. it was actually a big part of him, which he passed on to me. Right. So Christian life was a big part of me. Um, it's just, I think all around, he always focused on my attitude. So, you know, there's in racing, there's just, of course, winning, of course, being fast. But then like, for example, he would never let me protest other drivers, even if they wronged me. It was something that he just believed instilled in me mm -hmm. that, you know, you just learn from that experience, you know, right. like there's certain, there's a lot of areas where, Sportsmanship was a big thing for him. Like, right. So there was this all-around attitude that was not, you know, like, I actually, this is where Christian faith does strengthen me because it really helps me open my eyes to, like, there's going to be, one thing my dad always said to me is, there always, there's always another, <laughs> this interview is actually drawing back a lot of memories. It's funny. There's a lot <laughs> of things that he taught me, but he did mention to me before, like, there's always going to be someone faster than you. When you win a race here, there's right. actually, there's someone younger, someone whatever, always going to be quicker than you. Like, you always just got to keep yourself in check that you got to keep improving yourself, keep working at it. You know, like, right. just good attitude. I right. think overall, I mean, what is racing? Like, yeah, I have, I have a good talent at racing, but it's not, it doesn't make me better than anything. Like, it's just, that's the kind of attitude that I've always had. Right. I think it's just, um, you know, there's so many super talented people in this world out there. You know, right. Some people are good in business. Some people are good in uh, sport, art. There's just so many things mm -hmm. that uh, there's talent. And you have to respect every single area of that. And for me, um, yeah, I've been fortunate to be able to do my hobby professionally. <laughs> um, but it's been very fun and, and it's been amazing. And I feel really blessed um, just to be able to travel the world and yeah. to see all these opportunities. That's actually more more fulfilling in a way like not just achieving that sporting side but like just having the chance to see the world and yep. 
go to all these countries and over the past 10, 12 years of, you know, I've been flown 2 million miles and just seen everything, I've seen <laughs> all these places that I never would imagine. Incredible. So I think it's everybody, like my family and my sisters are all proud of me, but I feel like I just like wish that they had that opportunity too, to sure, be yeah. able to do that because yeah. it's something that not everybody gets a chance to. Yeah, that's amazing. What an incredible experience, run you've had, experience you've had. So uh, I like to, uh, one of the questions that I like to ask sort of high achievers in whatever field they are is what sort of daily rituals, habits, practices, just to keep you kind of sharp and on edge, you know, like being an entrepreneur, you're a businessman, entrepreneur, you're a race, professional race car driver. I mean, literally, you don't have time. I mean, I know how busy you are. You don't have time to, to, to take a break. You know, you're always on. You're always thinking about your business or competing in a race or, or, or doing some marketing or, you know, you always have to be switched on. So what helps you? Uh, are there any things that you do on a daily basis that help you just perform at such a high level? Uh, day after day after day yeah um it is it is definitely busy um it's important to obviously stay organized i was able to actually to build a good team of guys around uh, around me so they were able to like uh, so my my assistant's been with me eight years <laughs> you know that's really wow. assistance like really big help for me and just just uh, people that really are loyal and dedicated and i think that's that's really important to have that yeah but yeah of course with the time schedule it's, it's really hard to manage um uh, events sponsors and now you know having my own business and just just everything like that is it's it's a lot plus we must compete you know stay on form and compete at the top level in yeah. sports so right. i will say that you know in a perfect world i could just race yeah not worry about anything and right. just, just train and, and race and that's all that would be perfect life but obviously you need to maintain having sponsors and building that that base and it's something that i i've had to do on the side all my life right. <laughs> so sponsorship is the whole business aspect of it, I actually glad I did that because it taught me a lot in business about how you know I was able to learn a lot during those twenties. Uh, I was able to learn a lot about right. business, so that helped me a lot. But myself personally, obviously, got to stay fit. Training was a, a big part of my life. Lately, I've changed my training regime a lot. I started off, you know, training a lot, did five six days a week, and obviously for me, all the traveling I do, weight gain was one major issue for me. So for me personally, uh, I had to, I was really trying to understand like how to better manage my weight and things like that. So lately I've learned a lot about nutrition and, mm-hmm. uh, and training. So I, I could join this program, Hack Your Fitness, and it really changed a lot for me because uh, I learned a lot about nutrition and eating and changing my fitness regime. Um, so it actually helped me drop like uh, 25 to 25 pounds in the past yeah. few months so yeah. it's actually like quite interesting that efficiency I think is learning like training hard but doing it efficiently is really important um, in my business life um, just uh, you know keep keep working on building a better team so we are uh, we've grown we've grown a lot um, in terms of my the staff and people I have around me and it's really really helped our business grow uh, a lot so yeah I've, since I'm now 36 I'm reaching that kind of I'm not thinking about retirement yet, but it's obviously in the back of your mind a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, like, you know, it's not what I'm trying to do now. <laughs> sure. But I've always kind of more of a planning ahead kind of person. <laughs> I yeah. always like to look yeah. ahead. And even in my sporting career, when I was racing in Asia, I was looking towards Europe, you know, in the back in the back of my mind so I could make my move over there and then make it to the world championship. So it's always kind of, I'm always trying to be a few steps ahead. And right now, I'm with me and a few partners. We've we started a race team. Uh, now it's been three years already. We're in our third year, and uh, it's it's going really well. Um, to have a a business uh, alongside my sporting career, um, it's been really good 
Uh, and it's going to be, I think, a great transition for when I move into second half of my career. Yeah. Uh, after my 40s. I think racing will, racing will always be a, p- a part of me. So mm. I'm trying to really, really look for other ways that uh, besides driving, uh, there's other aspects that you can be involved. And I think um, having a race team is something that I'm really passionate about. Right. Right. Okay. So just for full disclosure to the audience, the Hack Your Fitness program is actually my own <laughs> program that uh, Daryl has actually uh, been on and uh, he's had amazing results. So yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you were working on? You talked about your own, uh, your own sort of race team. I believe it's called Craft Bamboo. And uh, t- tell us a little bit about what you're doing there and in addition to sort of some of the other things that you're doing in the community, because I know that's a big uh focus for you as well yeah uh, craft bamboo racing is um it's actually a team that started out in asia uh craft racing and then actually bamboo engineering was a team i drove for in uh in europe uh, during the world championships and my partner and i frank started work together in craft racing to really try to build up this uh this brand in asia over the past few years and we merged together with bamboo engineering uh yeah about two years ago so Craft Bamboo Racing is a business that really tries to link Asia and Europe in terms of motorsport. There's a lot, you know, in Europe, motorsport is a really, has a really big history. Mm. It's, it's got 90 years at Le Mans and, you know, just right. a really big fan base and really right. big, big infrastructure. Asia is still really young. Uh, people didn't really uh, compete in, in cars and motorsports. But at the same time, China is the number one car market in the world. It's the fastest growing right. car market. Um, so there's a lot of involvement from manufacturers and uh, right. just cars is a big subject, I think, automobiles. So and I think our business is really trying to create that linkage, bring expertise from Europe, but at the same time, bring that to the newer Asian market. And that's what our racing team has been doing. Mm. Uh, we compete in a lot of uh, either world championships that race in Europe and Asia, or also at the same time, we compete a lot of championships in Asia. And I think with the growing, not just motorsport, but just overall in car manufacturing and technology, everything in Asia is growing really quickly. And we think that we have the expertise to be able to help companies and businesses in that area. Awesome. And then uh, what about, I know you do a lot of stuff uh, locally with regards to community outreach, because I know that's sort of a big passion of yours is to give back, right? So what, what have you been working on these days? One of the biggest programs we work on is the Oyang Future Stars. It's a kids, it's a nonprofit kids karting program. Oyang Future Stars. Oyang's yeah. Future Stars, right. yeah. Motorsport is, like I said before, is something that is not people don't have much exposure to. In, in Hong Kong, actually, the, a lot of people don't know, but there used to be like world championship kart races in Victoria Park. Used to be. Oh, like, really? Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> a lot of people didn't know this. Like, in, uh, in the, in even it was, it was in the nineties, actually, not that long ago, eighties and nineties, that there was the Victoria Park kart kart world championships. So a lot of the top drivers in the world used to come compete in karts here. Hmm. There was a really big history in, in motorsport, uh, especially the Macau Grand Prix. A lot of Hong Kong drivers used to be very famous uh, competing on the Macau, Macau circuit. The past yeah, 20 years really lost motorsport uh, yeah. somehow. Whatever reasons it is, uh, it doesn't exist anymore. So we're really hoping that motorsport can make a comeback in the city. And we can see it has because Formula E right, um, yeah. is having its first uh, motorsport street race in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, we, we had a kart track here f- a few years ago and that's, that's no longer. So we're trying to really help motorsport grow again. And of course, the future of any sport is the kids. Right. Uh, there's nothing really um, introducing kids to sport. Um, for me, I was quite fortunate. Uh, when I was eight, my dad got me a kart because he, he liked motorsport and he knew it. But how about all those other kids that don't have the opportunity? A lot of parents and people love cars. You know, right. Hong Kong is a city known for, you know, huge abundances of supercars. Yeah. Um, 
Macau has a 60-year history here, the Macau Grand Prix. Right. A lot of people grew up watching the sports, but there's no there's no outlet for people mm-hmm. if they if they if they see that even if they like the sport, they have no idea. How do you get how involved? How do you get started, right? Get started. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So our, our program was really just to take action. There was a lot of talk about programs and yeah, we want to get kids, but no one's really taking any action. So I was able to find a couple of good partners, uh, GV Motorsport and also Sideways Driving Club in Central. Oh, right. Yeah. And we worked together on a concept to really try to bring the general public to have exposure to motorsport. So we've done now about... 10 classes um, and uh, we've had over over 100, 100 to 150 kids uh, been through our program and actually three or four of them are actually racing now uh, like full time which they never touched a cart before so wow it's, it's quite satisfying to see that we're able to make it's small, working <laughs> small difference <laughs> yeah but we're, you know of course with millions of people in Hong Kong we're not really reaching a lot of people but I think you have to take things step by step but that's been uh, quite a nice program we also together with my, my sponsors VLT we've been going around hmm. Uh, schools. I've uh, been again to about ten schools now. Uh, about five thousand kids we've spoken to. Um, next up, we have some universities we're going to talk to with the race to win message. We call it. Um, right. This year, our campaign is VLT Race to Win, and that's ca- really talking about having that winning attitude. You know, having that drive and desire to do well and perform well when mm-hmm. you do something. Um, so whatever it is, if it's if it's through sport or if it's education or anything you do you gotta really give it your effort to right. make it you know a lot of people think that things like if they see me in my sporting career now they might think oh maybe these were opportunities were given to me right you know? exactly they don't really yeah. know that story about the grind you know? yeah sure so that's kind of what we're sharing to schools we're using that race to win story and telling people that you really have to to have a dream and then not give up on it and keep working hard and and i think hong kong kind of needs it these days because a lot of young people are not really looking to the future and thinking this bright opportunity. There's a lot of negativity on that side. So hopefully we can inspire some kids to to really dream big. I agree with you. I mean, I think that the easiest sort of cop-out for anyone that, whether they have a chip on their shoulder or they look at the success of other entrepreneurs or, or businessmen or, or in whatever field, it's very easy for you to just say, oh, well, he comes from a rich family or he was given that opportunity or he got lucky, right? Uh, a lot of people say, oh, you got lucky. He lucked out, right? But what people don't understand is that yeah, sure. There's a small minority of people that you know they lucked out, or they came they came from a, a good family that that you know put that set them up. But that's not to say that these people didn't work hard for whatever they earned, right? But they didn't get lucky. Like they they've been working for you know ten, twenty, thirty years on their craft, their passion. You know, like even like the Hollywood star, right? Like you know how difficult it is to get to land an audition, right? These people are working on their craft for years and years and years, and then they have their big break, and then people say they, they lucked out, they got yeah. lucky, right? It doesn't work like that, right? So uh, so we're going to look to wrap up here. But so on that same note, what's one sort of piece of advice that you would give to a, a young entrepreneur that's looking to perhaps pursue something, chase a dream uh, at a young age? Uh, maybe, maybe it's something similar to what you're doing, uh, a non-conventional route, or maybe it's just something that uh, they're they they're not sure if they'll be successful at what what would you say is is sort of one good piece of advice? I would say especially when you're when you're younger and have more flexibility in your twenties, really take risks. I mean, mm-hmm. try to find different opportunities. Look for things that you're passionate about. I think that's the hardest thing. Is like for me, I was quite lucky because I found my passion when I was eight. <laughs> Most people can't really like, yeah. be able to find that passion, like you know. But whatever it is. If it is sport or if it's making money or if it's yeah. being successful in business, right. whatever it is, 
find that passion and then really dedicate everything you do towards it. Like I said earlier with motorsport, it's like, I found that passion is racing. So I had to study marketing. I had mm-hmm. to study PR. I had mm-hmm. to study business. I had to really strengthen that side in order to be successful in motorsport. It's, it's not just as simple as, oh, I like to drive fast. Right. You know, and that's where <laughs> if, you, if you find your passion, you got to build around that. So take the time and take the risk to find that passion. And from there, take, all, take time to study and learn that craft. Find all the areas you need to be strong in uh, around that passion, and then the success will come in your 30s. You know, if they really, it's something that takes time. Yep. Nowadays, people are looking for shortcuts, yep. looking for the hacks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, uh, there is no shortcut yep. in the long term. You need to, you need to really know your thing, know your stuff when the opportunity comes. Yeah. When the opportunity comes from the big opportunity comes, and you don't know what you're doing, it's, it'll be very obvious and apparent. So uh, be prepared for yeah. that big break. That's uh, that's really really good advice. I mean, you know, you have to be patient, but at the same time, you got to be very prepared. You got to put in the time. You know, go all in and and be, become that expert. So when exactly what you said, you never know when that door opens. Then you have to be have done all your work and ready to seize it. Right. So. That's great, man. Dude, thanks so much for doing this. I think this is going to be really, really uh, helpful. And I think the listeners are going to take away a lot of, of good insight from here. So where can we find out more about you? You're on social media, right? Yeah, Twitter social media and, is always a good way. Um, yeah, just Daryl. Is it you're on Daryl Young? Is that yeah, your Twitter usually handle? Yeah, usually Daryl Young. Yeah, on yeah. Facebook and Twitter. And Facebook, all Twitter. And then Instagram. your company website is craftbamboo.com. Yeah, craftbamboo.com. .com, okay. And what's your sort of big race coming up next? Where what can where can people look to uh, see you racing next? My biggest race each year is Macau Grand Prix, mm. and that, that comes in November, end of the year each year. Okay, uh, so that's yep. a really a really big uh, race for for me and uh, and for our team as well. So yeah, Macau Grand Prix Street Race um, this year's I think it's the sixty third or sixty sixty third edition. Wow. So, okay. Um, yeah, it's a really exciting race, and actually a lot of Hong Kong people don't really know about this race. A lot of people in Asia from around, around Asia fly in to watch this race. So hopefully more people can take the ferry from Hong Kong over yeah. to watch it. They don't know about it, but it's actually a, an amazing event. And uh, some of the biggest, the, the motorsport greats around the world have actually competed here. Awesome, man. All right. Well, thanks again for coming in and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? 
After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness.